Hello there. Welcome to episode 82 of Nevermind the Bullens. I'm Mike Peters. This is your bite-sized Everton podcast and vodcast. And we will try and keep it bite-sized, but hey, there's a lot going on. Uh, he's gone. Um, I was going to record this uh, yesterday evening, uh, but I decided that a better way to spend my evening was at the side of a road with a broken down camper van. Brilliant. Um, and I thought best to wait as well, uh, because obviously the rumours that were emanating from uh, Goodison um, in the aftermath of that desperately poor defeat uh, at Norwich, um, a team that hasn't won since November, which is almost as long as it is since we've won a game, were that, you know, Rafael Benitez was for the chop. And so it has come to pass. Um, you know, there was no confirmation last night. They rumoured that there could be. Um, I'm sure, like most Evertons, I was checking this morning. I actually heard about it about, as I record this, about three hours ago um, from uh, an ex-Everton player who I happened to be with at the time. I won't mention his name. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking, well, I haven't heard any official confirmation, but then it has, has just broken. And the, the statement, and I, it's quite funny the way these things work themselves out, isn't it, really? Because I... Uh, was going to discuss the, the the dreadful, dreadfully terse statement that was on the website to do with Luca Dean and his departure. I thought it was absolutely shameful um, the way that a, a guy that's given his all for the club, uh, although I hear rumours that obviously he was being a bit mischievous behind the uh, scenes and uh, obviously we know that he had fallen out with Benitez, but obviously he was also causing problems with other players in terms of loading bullets for others to fire, let's put it that way. Um and I thought the guy that's actually played pretty well for us and played 127 games deserved more as a departure than he got. Obviously, put a very nice Instagram post about uh, his time at Everton. And I think when he comes back um, next Saturday, the Villa game, uh, he will get a a very, a very good um, reception, uh, as as most ex-players do. Um, but the statement that's from the club is even more terse than the one that Luca Dean got. Um, hardly surprising, and you can see the sort of the. Um, the schadenfreude, or whatever the Spanish word for that is, um, that's doing the rounds. Dan Donaghy being one of the obviously people that has been a, a victim to a degree of, of, of Rafa Benitez has fallen by the wayside, um, and you know that he's sort of said, "Well, there you go. You treat people that way, then that's what's going to happen to you." Uh, you can go and have a look at the wording of his uh, tweet for yourself. But this isn't to do with the fact that. Rafael Benitez has got any um, previous associations with, with, with Liverpool. That's probably given him a shorter line of credit. I, I'll get that. But the fundamental issue, the reason that he's got sacked is because of, firstly, the results. One win in 13 matches is simply unacceptable. And the stats are the only two seasons that are worse, worse at this point after 19 games were 1997-98 and 93-4, both of which resulted in two of the most famous games that ever have been played at Goodison Park, the games against Wimbledon and Coventry, where we had to get results to stay up. If that doesn't say where we're at at the minute, then nothing does. I mean, the manner of the defeat yesterday was, was dreadful. The players clearly not playing for him, not buying into what he's doing. And if you have lost the players and the supporters, um, then you, you, you're up you're up a creek without an instrument. Uh, and th that's it. Allied to that, his obviously attitude towards the players has then disconnected himself from, uh, from his playing staff. Um, and then obviously some of the things that he said and the tactics have disconnected him from the supporters completely. Not that the connection there was tenuous at best, but at least what you did... I mean, I'm going to have to compare him, I'm afraid, with some of the worst managers that we've ever had. And certainly in recent memory, you know, we're talking about Sam Allardyce in terms of a man that just was so 
beyond the off the charts arrogant that he didn't give a toss about what anybody else thought apart from himself and had made no attempt to hide his disdain for the fan base or his complete apathy towards the club and that's done for him it did for Ronald Koeman as well in terms of not really being interested in the club just seeing it as a project um, and that's not what Evertonians want from a manager um, and so whoever is appointed next whoever's next into that hot seat uh, is going to have to really buy into that that's why Roberto Martinez who I, much to my absolute astonishment is being linked with the job again Sorry, no, don't want him back. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, and if Farm Machine is seriously considering that, then I'm sorry. Your time's done, mate. You're off. But whoever is appointed, um, and I really don't think that anybody's going to be appointed before the end of the season, I think we have to have some semblance of stability now. Uh, I mean, I was saying on this podcast, and I've said it, that actually getting rid of him probably wasn't the right thing to do. We had to give time, had to be given because we've had so much instability. Um, that obviously that was the only reason to, to keep him, even though I wasn't happy with the results, like the like same as anybody else, wasn't happy with the performances, wasn't happy with the tactics, but but simply keeping somebody because you've had so much instability before is not a good enough reason to create more insecurity and instability now. So if Duncan Ferguson, I think, is the only option in terms of knows the players, uh, and I will get to them because they are absolutely in no way blameless off this. They're not getting off the hook. Um, that he's the only one that can come in who knows uh, can hit the ground running and can kind of generate a reaction, I hope, as he did when he took over, took over after Marco Silva uh, was dismissed. Um, and I would give him it for a longer period of time uh, until we such time as we can get the, the person that we want. And it absolutely has to be the right person with the correct structure within the club in place. Um so it's been one of the most shambolic episodes in Everton's recent history, from, a, from not only from a playing point of view, from a governance point of view as well, because that is where all of this instability. What the last six months has been an object lesson in how not to run a business, and certainly how not to run a football club. In terms of if you put a structure in place and you have bought into that idea that well, we will have a director of football who will be responsible for recruitment, you know we're going to have the correct team in personnel, then you bring in a man who doesn't get on with the director of football, you have a, an owner that's trying to sign players, you have a director of football that wants to sign players and a manager that wants to sign players. And then that, that's clearly never going to work because you've got three, uh, you know, everybody's pulling in different directions and has their own ideas about what, what should happen. The board, and by the board I mean Fahad Mashiri, because ultimately he's the, he's the top dog in all this, has backed Rafael Benitez by sacking Marcel Brands allowing him to get rid of Dan Donaghy. Um And I said, right, and then has backed him in the transfer market now. And and that is a massive caveat because Rafael Benitez has come in and had to firefight at the end of a, a particularly bad period of, of Everton governance over the last five years. And so I do have a scintilla of sympathy for him because he's been given, told three years... Um, in the same way that David Moyes was, I suppose, at Manchester United when he when he left us to go there, that he was told, right, you're gonna have six years. Here's your contract. You're gonna have to rebuild this team. Um, you know, blah blah blah. Slightly different circumstances, obviously, but in terms of right, hang on, you're not gonna have any money to spend now because of FFP and because of our profligacy in the transfer market prior to this over the previous few years. Um, but you know, we'll support you when the when the time is right and we can do because the money is there. That's been proven straight away because we signed uh, Mikalenko and signed Nathan Patterson. Um, 
So, and that's peak Everton in terms of allowing a manager to spend twenty five million pounds on players, sell one of our most popular players at the same time, sign a player, the Amor Al Ghazi deal in terms of signing him, which are r- rumours. I mean, it's the internet, isn't it? Rumours abound that he actually was a Farhad Mashiri signing, but Rafael Benitez didn't want him, and it's only because Kia Jarabchin was the power behind this and has got a personal relationship with Mashiri that convinced us to sign Al Ghazi. If you're going over the manager's head again, having backed him and said, right, you're the man, you're going to lead this club forward. You are the fella that I am, you know, backing. You're my horse in this instance, that I'm going to let you do what you want and build the team, build the squad that you want. And then you completely ignore that almost instantaneously and start signing players that he doesn't want. Now, as for regards to Amar Al-Ghazi, you know, I actually think he's a decent player. He'll offer extra competition for places and when we're struggling to score goals if he's going to add extra goals and certainly gives us extra options off the bench um, then fine you know if he can play as a number 10 or as he can play as a uh, you know as, as a winger and um, we've got extra options you know Vandross Townsend or Damari Gray gets injured or Anthony Gordon then it means we don't have to rely on my bet noir um, so you know these that's that is a complete strategic failure of governance that you've done that and you have then, within a matter of weeks of getting rid of Marcel Brands in the wake of the derby, you've then sacked the manager as well. It's completely unmitigated failure. Absolutely and total failure. And you look at his track record now. Machiri up to now has got a pretty much a free pass because obviously he's put money in and we've been prepared to give him the time and the benefit of the doubt. And that anybody can get a you know an appointment wrong. But you have to look at it. Uh, Ron Koeman didn't really work uh, Marco Silva didn't really work Sam Allardyce should never have been appointed in the first place um, despite what he and his lieutenants continue to say about you know well Everton was 16th or in danger of relegation it's not true we weren't going to get relegated and we weren't 16th when he was appointed we were 13th okay you know facts are important Carlo Ancelotti qualified success but obviously then leaves then Benita's failure. So his track record for appointing managers, bad. His track record for the players that he has gone above over directors of football uh, to sign, and also bad. So can't argue with the stadium. Fair enough. Okay, so that's one, you know, that's that's a, a massive thing and obviously wants to take the club forward from a business point of view. But in terms of a football management, football governance point of view, it's been a complete failure. So the best thing to do is this season's a write-off, from certainly from the league campaign. Yeah, we're still in the cup, okay? Who knows? We could end the drought and, and finally win something. Hope springs eternal, doesn't it? Whatever Tonians. But I, I genuinely think we need to wait and have a, a strategic and sensible review of the football operation of the, of the club and say, right, hang on, what is it that we're trying to do? Let's put in place a five-year plan to try and get ourselves in that. I thought that plan was supposedly there, but it's been a complete failure. So this, so there needs to be, throw it all out, blank piece of paper, you know, clear the board, let's start, I mean, the as in the whiteboard, I'm using a metaphor rather than the actual board itself, although um, I'm sure some people would, would want to get do that as well. But to, to enable us to think, right, what, is let's not make any knee-jerk reactions, let's do something sensible and let's try and put in place a plan to be able to 
drive the club forward for the next five years. Now, the manager might change in that time. Okay, whoever the next person appointed is, they may not last the distance. But that's got to be. But there's got to be say right. This is the way we want to go about this. This is the type of football we want to play. These are the type of players that we want. Age not necessarily a factor, you know. But overall, you know, there's always exceptions. But this is what we're trying to do. Now we sort of had that, and then Mar- I mean, this is the thing. Had Benitez, had Marcel Brand stayed, and Benitez gone now, we might be in a very different position. But we're starting from scratch again. So do we now just go back to having a manager? With a you know chief scouting and supported by his coaches and his, and his backroom staff, who is ultimately the person that is responsible for saying, right, I want this player, I want you know, to go into Fabricio. This is the type of player I want. Go and find me three of them, uh, and then well then we'll pick one. Yeah, get me scouting to do that. Right, this is what we're prepared to pay. This is the but that's what we did. It worked quite well with David Moyes and Bill Kenwright. Why can't it work again? With obviously budgets. And put in place and FFP um, considerations are taken into account as well. I think with Rafael Benitez, Evertonians did give him time. I think the vast majority were prepared to give him a chance, whether whatever their reservations might be. Um, yes, he was probably on a shorter line of credit than other managers, but that again is, but okay, and that is obviously has to do with his previous. Uh, but also it's also to do with the fact that obviously a lot of people didn't think he was the right appointment irrespective of his previous uh, affiliations so the the form of getting nine points out of 45 is just not good enough one win in 13 is not good enough Um, and not looking like winning uh, you know most of those games even having a chance and conceding goals the way we have that we're going behind our last nine consecutive matches that's a recipe for disaster and yeah, you know, okay, there's been injuries. Yeah, okay, fine. But that's the problem. Now, I said I would turn to the players, and I will, because some of them should be utterly ashamed of themselves. Players that are simply not good enough or not trying. Um, and who have now, a few of them, have been here under a number of managers. I mean, obviously, we've gone through a lot of managers in a relatively short space of time. So there's a, that, you know, that's a, a sort of a, you know, a little asterisk to put. Go well, actually, you know, it might have been in that long, but they've gone through a lot of managers. There's been a lot of change, and I get that. But some of them just simply have not warranted the opportunities they've been given, and there have been people who have uh, who have warranted opportunities that have not been given. So that again is a failure of the management. But the players simply aren't doing it. Now, as a manager, you can jump up and down and train them as much as you want, but if they don't go out on the field on a Saturday or a Sunday and perform and do what you've trained them to do all week as professional athletes, something's wrong there with them. So they, again, need to look at themselves and say, right, what part, where's, you know, and say, actually, we're culpable in this as well. And they are. There are players like Michael Keane, experienced players, uh, who are just simply not stepped up to the plate when when needed who should be at a point now where they're saying and i'm picking on him specifically but saying you know i should be leading this this team and saying i am i can be the lead i can be the captain i can be driving us forward and he's just not done that they've retreated into their shells so many of them and not performed and obviously they're nervous you can tell that you can see it the way they're playing and just but equally the the, the mentality of the a lot of them is that as soon as the chips are down that's it they've had it as soon as that you know the heads fall there's no no one to just 
you know, shoulders back, chests out, and say, right, lads, come on. We, we need to fight here. And that is what is needs to be instilled in them rapidly. Now, as I said, the only person that can really do that, I think, with is Duncan Ferguson. I mean, seeing people, you know, other people linked with it. Frank Lampard, okay, fine. But I just don't think he is the... <laughs> The person that we need right at this particular moment. Not writing him off as a as a candidate at all. Wayne Rooney, that's a nonsense appointment because I think while he's doing a decent job with, with Derby under incredibly tough circumstances, he has no way got the experiences yet to manage Everton Football Club. He may well do in years to come, but right now he doesn't. That's the top and bottom of it. Yeah. Um, the rumour that seems to be doing the rounds is going to be Duncan Ferguson, Leighton Baines for a while. Fine. Because if Duncan has learned nothing from watching the failures of all of the te- management teams that he has been part of. now, And he has to take some element of responsibility in that because he's been part of it. To what extent? We'll never know. But if he's learned nothing other than that doesn't work, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. I know, therefore, what will work. Trying to sort of, you know take some positives from these previous regimes that have been complete failures, then we're never going to get anywhere, are we? So I think he's the only person that will reconnect the the, the, the management of the club with the fans. He has to be that bridge, even if it's only for six months, you know, and eventually somebody else does come in. But I think he has earned the opportunity. He's the type of character that we need. He understands the players the fans will un- inevitably get behind him, no question about that, and will always support the players as they did yesterday. Uh, you know, they just didn't support the manager. So, uh, I don't necessarily agree with. I don't agree at all with people coming on the pitch and trying to remonstrate. But, but that just does speak to the frustration that we've had over the last couple of months. And yeah, so it it, it has to. There has to be a massive change. Everybody within the club, the hierarchy of the club, has to look at themselves, look long, hard look in the mirror and say, what have I done? What has my failure in this been? Because it has been a failure. How? What can What can I do to improve the club and, and my own... Um, my own situation here and, and, and try and get us out of this mess that we have found ourselves in. And that's the only way, only way forward. Um, so it's over to the, the hierarchy of the club. What this does for us in terms of the January transfer window, signing players, who on earth knows, um, you know, sign three players, we we need more. Um, will it allow... Duncan be prepared to say, right, give the likes of Lewis Dobbin and Ellis Sims more of a go if he is the man that's going to take over temporarily. And you certainly imagine at the very least he'll be in charge of the Villa game on Saturday. Um, who knows? But it's an it's a colossal mess. A colossal mess. But ultimately, getting rid of Rafael Benitez is only one you know, one part of it. it. It's not, that's not a panacea to everything. That's not going to fix everything in the club overnight. It's just not a magic one at all. There has to be huge seismic changes in the way that the club is run. And hopefully I have filled in uh, or filled the need that uh, Guillaume Balagay has been um, 
has been asking for uh, because uh, he's been done a, a Twitter thread and you know da 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 uh, that he's doing a football podcast about Everton with engaging, sensible, and long-suffering fans. Well, I think I'm long-suffering, like we all are. Sensible and engaging. Well, I'll let you make your own mind up on that. But his Twitter thread saying that you know he couldn't fix all the problems in five months. I mean, he is an advocate for Rafa Benitez. He's basically a spokesman, isn't he? But and I completely get that. And that's why I have a bit of sympathy. He's been expected to fix everything that's an issue. And a lot of it wasn't his problem. But the performances on the pitch and the the fact that the players weren't playing for him and the disconnect with the supporters, um, certainly all bar the latter of those, is on him. The fact of conceding such poor goals uh, consistently, making those defensive mistakes, like yesterday with that dreadful own goal by Michael Keane, that is on him. And the disconnect with the supporters is partly down to him because he just doesn't seem bothered. And he's, he's a victim of his own arrogance. And that's been the biggest problem. If you talk to Evertonians and say, do you know what, fellas? You're right. You know, this isn't been good enough. We need to do this. We need to da 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 And when he set, tried to say those things that Sam Allardyce never said, it ended up, it just didn't sound sincere. Because you know, because we've watched him for such a long time, that actually... He believes that what he does is absolutely right, even when it's wrong. And it has been proved beyond all doubt in the last three months that what he's been doing has been wrong because one run from 13 matches tells you all you need to know. And you cannot just put that down to, well, we had Dominic Calvert-Lewin injured for three months. Yeah, that's a, that's a factor, but it's not the be-all and end-all. That does not necessarily mean... No, you know... No team is, is is reliant on one player. There's 10 others on that pitch as well. They have to put shifts in. The manager, the coaches have to put shifts in as well. And just he's singularly not done that. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a huge amount of recrimination um, over the course of the next few days. There'll be a huge amount written and spoken and said. And anybody that says, well, it's because he was he's formerly Liverpool manager, is completely missing the point and I would ignore them. And I know that a lot of them will probably be on Sky but they'll say that and therefore I'll tell them now they're idiots because that's not the problem. Talk to any Evertonian with any scintilla of sense who's been watching Everton over the last few months, over the last few years, and they will tell you where the fault lines lie. Eloquently, most of them, and sensibly and passionately as well. Because Everton for Evertonians never lose their passion for the football club. We will be there on Saturday and we will back the players to the hilt because we always do. Oh, I think that's the longest one we've ever done. There was me going to try and make it short, but he haven't. So, but a lot going on. And I haven't even talked about the game really yesterday, but it's almost academic now, isn't it? Uh, given that, um, what's happened in the in the 24 hours since. Um, so, until next time, uh, you can get in touch at NMTVPod on uh, on uh, Twitter, NMTVPod at gmail.com uh, via the email. Uh, you can leave a voice note via the description in the podcast. And this has been a top content production. Until next time, let's keep the faith. On to Villa on Saturday. Come on, you blues. Blues.